0: 2 Timothy 2 is kind of our key text in this uh, this mini-series we're going through and uh, we gave an introduction last week asking the question do we need an interpretive grid in other words how do we how do we approach the scriptures the need for an interpretive grid and and, uh, um, I was thinking about uh, uh, laying out directions to my house by just drawing a line with no points of reference and say who could find the way to my house But then if I took, remember those old school transparencies that you put over the overhead projector? Remember those? And I was thinking, if you took one of those that has like uh, grids on there and a legend, you can kind of put it over the the road, the the, the directions, you can say, oh, that's how you get to that house, because you have now a point of reference, you have a grid. And uh, and many times we approach the scriptures, and I think uh, one of the errors we make is we approach the scriptures as all things being fair. And we get ourselves in trouble, we get ourselves messed up, and and, uh, and some of the problems we run into is we might put a burden on us that was not supposed to be for us. We put a command or an expectation there that, that, that maybe wasn't for us, and, and so I wanted to step back, and uh, one of the things we looked at last week was taking the approach that when we look at Scripture, the first thing we look for is not, how does this impact me, or how do I apply this to my life, but rather, what is God doing? What is it, how does it work out in God's plan and, in his, and His plan to redeem His purposes? You see, we look at it very self-centered. We say, what does this mean for me? And in this passage, how is God either saving or sanctifying somebody? And so then we start spiritualizing David and Goliath. And he took five smooth stones. What are those smooth stones? Those smooth stones are the five stones we need to conquer the giants in our life. Bible reading, church attendance, tithing. And we go down the list and we think, no, no those were just five smooth stones you see um and we need to be careful and you see that all the time all the time and i've been guilty of it all right and uh but we need to make sure first and foremost we know what god is saying before we start saying okay now what does this have to do with me all right and uh so we get in that trap of uh looking for you know uh um, uh one's very common today in a lot of uh bible study books uh uh, when you go to a scripture, look for a, a, a promise to claim, a sin to confess, uh, you know, this whole list of things we ought to do. And, and sometimes it might just be God telling his story. Like a history book, right? Um, and so, so with that, we laid out... Uh, Uh, I'm going to use a word that people are kind of scared of today, and I'm thinking at the end of this series We're going to kind of see why it's a good word Uh, But also maybe there's a better word we can use I don't know uh, something to come up with because certain words just kind of become taboo and the word is dispensation or dispensationalism God, I think it's very clear. I don't think you can escape it. God works Has worked differently in different eras different times And so we're going to dive into that. I gave kind of a list of basic seven You can kind of split up however you uh uh, come across as you take these principles, but in 2 uh, in Second, uh, Second Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 15, it tells us, study to show they self-approved unto God, a workman that he is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of you would be kind of glad if that verse wasn't really there? Study kind of implies work. How many of you uh, kind of despise study in school? Study, ah. Uh. You know, and for me, it was always like the day before the test. I got to read all that? Okay. Show me the highlights. Is there a, uh, is there a Reader's Digest version I can get through? And, and little wonder I did so bad on tests. Um, study to show these all approved unto who? Who am, I, who am I trying to approve before? God. Not each other, uh, you know, I think sometimes we like to say, you know, let me show you some cool thing I came up with, you know, and impress somebody, but no, study to show thyself approved unto God, and then and here's another word I wish wasn't in there, a workman. You know what that means? It takes a little work to be a good student of the word. You see, it's, we're not just reading a novel here, we're not, and neither are we just reading a history book. It takes a little work, a little bit of study, and then it says this: a strange ver, a strange phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, the word there for that, that we get the two words, rightly dividing. It's the word. Um, um, had it in my mind. Uh, Orthotomeo. There it is. Orthotomeo. Ortho means straight. Tomeo means to cut. Or to, uh, to meos. means to cut, straight cut. Uh, one translation of the Bible says, uh, says, rightly handling the Word of God. Now, I will say this if you're rightly dividing the Word of God, you're going to rightly handle the Word of God. But the phrase there means to cut straight. It, it, to, 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 in other words, there are divisions, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We talked last week, where's a basic division that all of our Bibles have? Old Testament, New Testament, all right? There's a division. All right? And we can argue if that's the right division. Uh, I will say this that New Testament, Old Testament, that division isn't inspired. All right? Someone came up with that. Neither are the chapters' divisions inspired. But you know what we did? We divided into chapters. These are just ways to help us to study. And, and there are a lot of ways we can kind of divide and, 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 and break in there. But uh, we're going to look at that a little bit tonight and talk about the first, uh, what we're going to call dispensation. This evening, and let's pray. Lord, we ask that you help us tonight as we look to your word and, and look and consider this idea of how to properly handle the word of God. Help us, Lord, as we uh, consider some of these truths this evening, and uh, we'll give you the glory for what you do. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, a lack of uh, of a dispensationalism or an understanding, uh, a lack of understanding dispensationalism. Uh, has led to a lot of misapplication and misunderstanding of Scripture. Um, We we looked at a couple examples last week, right? Uh, um, How do you hear the voice of God? You listen for that still, small voice. Okay, how many times did that happen in the Bible? One time. And was it ever commanded or, or, or expressed that this is how God speaks? No, it was just one man's experience. And all of a sudden, we can create a doctrine off of an experience we read about in Scripture. You see? How about this? When, uh, uh, I believe it was Elijah, um, uh, asked God to kind of show his servant uh, the the armies, the spiritual armies. And and his eyes were open, and he saw this spiritual army all around, right? Lord, let Blake see the spiritual army. Do you see anything? Blake doesn't see it. (laughs) I guess that verse doesn't work for me, you see? And we start applying things that, no, no, that was the, that was the account of how that happened, all right? Um, uh, you know, that's, that's much different than something that's like flat out commanded, right? Here's what you're supposed to do, or here's what God's, God expects of you, or, or what have you. But then even there, we start looking at commands. Well, who's being commanded? Is this for me? Is this for the audience that was there? There are a lot of questions that we can ask as we approach a passage. And so one of the very basic breakdowns when we approach the Scriptures, and I think it's, going to, it's helpful, is to say, what dispensation are we in? In other words, how is God relating to man, and man relating to God, and man relating to each other, in this portion of Scripture that I'm reading right now? Okay, uh, Because that's going to make a difference in how you read it. And so, so if, you, if you're like most people who have never been given any instruction or direction, all they're told is, hey, you got saved, wonderful, read your Bible. How many pages is in your Bible? A lot, over a thousand, right? That's a, a brand new Christian, that's a, that's a big task. Where do I begin? By the way, what is the Bible? It's a book of books, isn't it? It's a collection of several books. So which book do I start with? How do I do this? So what we'll do is this, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible. All right. Who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever? He hath redeemed us of our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. What, is, what does this have to do with me? And I just found a spot, and I, I don't know what's going on here. I, I, there's some repetition. There's some echoing. I don't know. Is this a song? What is this? Yeah, it sounds like Psalms, doesn't it? right so yes yeah, so i look up psalms 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 what does this mean you know i'm kind of you know joking a little bit but but not really because this is how a lot of people just approach the bible or they'll start all right i'm going to read my bible through in a year i'm going to go to the very beginning and head through and you go good for a while i think the most read book of the bible is genesis uh um around uh, january time frame okay and you might do pretty good. You get through Genesis and then and then you get to, to, to Exodus and you learn about Moses and the children coming out, and it's kind of an exciting story, right? And then you get to Leviticus. What's happening? And who did what? And blood and washing and and, and touching and 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 fabrics and what? what's happening right now? You see? And you might make through all five books of the books of Moses, and you, you kind of end it pretty good on a high note, Deuteronomy. Okay, I got a good understanding of God's beginning of things. All right? Joshua comes to the scene, and you're like, yeah, it's getting exciting again. And then you start writing this more list of so-and-so begot so-and-so, and they lived this many years, and they died. And you're like, what? I give up. I don't know what I'm doing. Then your mind starts wandering, right? I don't know what's happening. But that's how a lot of us kind of approach it. We start reading it maybe like a, like a, uh, a novel. This is God's story. And if you really are committed, you start realizing you're reading along, and you're in 2 Chronicles, and you're like, didn't I read this story? I'm pretty sure I read this story. It sounds so familiar. And now you're like, why is it repeated? What, what's going on? And we're just, I don't know. You know, I don't know the breakdown. I don't know how this things put together. And uh, so we can get ourselves in trouble. Much of, uh, uh, how many of you have heard me use the phrase, uh, something I kind of, came up with in observe, observing folks, uh, YouTube theologians. You guys heard me say that? YouTube theologians. Yeah, what is a YouTube theologian? It's guys that establish their own theology system by little snippets here and there. Here's a little five-minute clip about this, a little clip about this, a little clip about this. All right, I heard uh, there was a clip on Wretched TV. They got a bunch of those, Wretched TV, a bunch of uh, little, little topics. And I like a lot of the topics that they do. Some of them, I think, that was garbage. Okay. One in particular, they did a little five-minute thing. He said three reasons why it's okay to divorce your wife, and I listened to his three reasons, and I had a problem with all three. But it took a little bit deeper digging than just a five-minute snippet, a little clip. And so, but that's that's the day we live in, right? Our fast food uh, environment. And so, so here's another one: Twitter theology. Okay, what's Twitter theology? Well, on Twitter, you only get so many characters that you can type. Unless you're conservative, then you can get zero. Yeah. Um, no, you only so many characters you can type. And so, what can I cram into there? And so, it has to be catchy. It has to sound good. And so, we come across a little quote and we say, "That sounds really good." I'm going to pass that along, and not even really thinking through or what was the context or what when that was said. And and before we know it, we we, we pass things along that sounded good. Sounded like a good tweet, but really wasn't biblical. And we've come across a lot of those uh, that I've fallen from. I'm like, wow, that sounds really good. And I kind of analyze it. You know what? That was, that was garbage. <laughs> you know? And uh, so, so we need to be careful. Just a quick review. A dispensation begins when a fundamentally new revelation is given by God, which changes mankind, mankind's responsibility to God and to each other. A fundamentally new revelation, I know it's kind of a big phrase, but if you can just get that, that concept, you can go to your Bible and you can start finding those divisions. What, what, inf- what new information is given that fundamentally changes the way God interacts with man and the way man interacts with each other? And there are a couple of points where that drastically changes things. Now, to clarify that, we're not talking about better understanding of something. Because sometimes you might find in scriptures what we call a progressive revelation. In other words, something starts to unfold and you get more information. That doesn't necessarily equal uh, a new dispensation. Okay? Neither is the fulfillment of prophecy constitute a beginning of a new dispensation. Um, for example, uh, uh, uh <clears throat> the virgin birth. All right? By the way, there's a ton of, uh, ton of uh, prophecies fulfilled. When Jesus, uh, when Jesus was born. And uh, those were all uh, continuing. In fact, the Bible even tells us that Christ was born under the what? What dispensation? Law. Under the law. Okay? Uh, um, to redeem them that are under the law. And so the first, and four, the first stop, if you would, of the, of the, of the uh, um, plan of Christ was for his own. That's the first stop. The second stop was for those who were not under the law. Or those, you might say it this way, without the law. Who are those without the law when the Bible uses that phrase? the Gentiles. That was the second stop in God's redemptive plan, right? And so, uh, so just a couple of things is where Elaine is out. Um, next, a failure to recognize the fundamental change is the most common error in biblical interpretation, leading to painful and drastic consequences of Christian thought and practice. Um, <clears throat> like I said, I've done this, all right? Uh, By the way, this is what, uh, I'll give you one example, the Seventh-day Adventists are guilty of. They don't know where the divisions are, and so they're going through, and they're reading Deuteronomy, and they realize, you know, one of the Ten Commandments, we have it posted right here, one of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And they realize, we haven't been doing that. We've been meeting on Sundays. We haven't been keeping the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. We, we, We better get back to the Sabbath day. So they start having... Sabbath day. And, uh, and, and by the way, if you're going to go there, then, then don't stop there. Let's make sure we abstain from meats. And especially Friday night into Saturday. That's when there's a whole community, uh day Adventist community near where, uh, where I grew up, uh, Loma Linda, in Southern California. And, um, and in the hospitals and everything, they, they, they don't serve any red meat Friday night through Saturday night. No red meat anywhere. It's, uh, they'll, they'll serve fish. And um, the, whole, the whole community, the whole town. It's, you, you know, uh, with the exception of, like, Burger King or something. <laughs> um, and uh, that, that's, that's what they practice. And so uh, what I'm saying is they start putting these things on them that wasn't necessarily for them. By the way, if you're going to follow it, I made a statement one time. Nobody today keeps the Sabbath. Prove me wrong. Nobody today keeps the Sabbath. Well, yeah, a lot of people worship on the Sabbath. I didn't say that. I said, keeps the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keeps the Sabbath. Well, how do you keep the Sabbath? It's not just, oh, I worship on Saturday. You need a Levitical priest. You need a sacrificial lamb. There are a lot of things you need. By the way, you can't make a fire. That's problematic in Alaska. Uh, you can only travel a Sabbath day's journey. How many people drive to church? Okay. By the way, a Sabbath day's journey, I don't remember exactly what the mileage is, but it's pretty much anyone on Paradox can come to this church, basically. That's it. You see? So if you start your car, that's called an ignition, because it ignites a fire. That would be wrong. So, so what they started doing is picking and choosing what aspects of it they've done, and now what have we done? We've abandoned the whole thing because, well, who chooses the rules? Who, who makes those rules? You see? But let's step back and ask yourself, do we need an interpretive grid? Would that help us? Um, see, I've, I've gotten myself into trouble studying a passage, and I've even begun preaching on it, and then it kind of hits me halfway through. I'm like, it's not even talking about me. I put myself in there, and I don't belong there, and I have to kind of backpedal. Wait a minute, got in trouble, you see. And so we need to be careful. So let's look at the first dispensation. Uh, if you want to turn there, Genesis 1, good place to start. The first dispensation. What are the first three words of the Bible? In the beginning. Sounds like a good place to put the first dispensation. We now have a fundamentally new revelation. What's one of the first things we learn about in verse 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the first thing we learn about in in verse 1? God. God. Now, what's interesting is God doesn't go out, set out to prove himself. He just is. In the beginning, God. Wow, okay. What did he do? He created? What did he create? Heaven and earth. And, uh, um, and so what we have there in the beginning, what, what, what kind of, uh, uh, what does beginning describe? What, what, what kind of a, what does beginning describe? The start of something uh, like a timeline, right? Time. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the heaven, what, what, what's the heaven? Space, whatever's not the earth, right? And the earth, what's the earth? Material. Here we have in one verse, time, space, and matter coming into existence simultaneously. So before there was heaven and earth, what was there? There was God. That's it right so we have this revelation now god not only is is revealing himself to us but he's beginning a process what existed before god just simply uh, or what what exists before god created heavens and the earth just god so with this in verse one we we have time space and matter Um, and it says this the world uh, the earth was out without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the earth the spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters this begins to give us, and starts to unfold from verse 1, a biblical worldview. And the biblical worldview requires God as the ultimate reality. God's the center, God's the focus, since God predates time, space, and matter. What, uh, what is the ultimate reality for the materialist? You guys know, you know what a materialist is? Everything is, uh, no, not like a materialist, like I'm, I, I I love things, materialism, but materialist is, uh, is matter, uh, isn't created. It may change form, but, you know, it's the scientific laws, but all that matters is simply matter, and I'm a part of matter. This is where evolution can start to fit in, in this concept of matter, except they can't, evolution still can't answer where all that matter came from, and uh, that's the matter with it. Um, but the materialist... Uh, that his ultimate reality is um, is that matter has always existed all types of matter and that, 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 that's, that's what, uh, what's important then you have the humanist his ultimate reality is about people is about um, uh, you know it's about me it's about us it's about we it's about man is the center if you would and so coming back the biblical worldview puts God in his place saying he is the ultimate reality everything about myself Needs to come back to my ultimate reality. Everything about myself. So am I just simply material? That spontaneously formed and, and uh, this is all there is? I'm just an animal? By the way, you tell kids that they're just animals. Well, don't be surprised when they start acting like animals. Okay? Uh, is, is, am I the god of my own universe, as the humanist says, and the end of all being is my own happiness? Or... When I look at this, I have to say I have to start with who is God before I start figuring out who am I. You see, that's the proper uh, uh, way. You know, it, it is about Him. <laughs> We're so uh, one of the terms came, I came, I shared last week, right? You have exegesis, where we pull from the Scripture, we exegete the Scriptures. We have asegesis, where we read into the Scriptures. We have a preconceived idea, and we go to try to prove it in the Scriptures, and then narcissism. <laughs> I read myself in every passage. That's about me. Huh. <laughs> I just turned to Esther about the king and, uh, and Haman, they came to the banquet of Esther, and I see myself at that banquet. No, you don't, I'm not in the banquet, okay? <laughs> um, so this revelation of God showing himself to us includes a clear understanding of the created order in its original state. With the beginning of creation, it became uh, formless and void. By the way, a lot of people will say, Um, uh, those that believe in the gap theory, there's a big gap between verse 1 and verse 2, okay? And one of the things that they say is in the Hebrew, it says that the earth became formless and void. That is what it says in the Hebrew. It became formless and void. In other words, uh, and and the presupposition is, is, it started with form and it became formless. But they're reading it all wrong. Now, God spoke and it became, how did it become? It became formless. That's the form that it came in. It was without form. And it was void. Okay, so 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 it's really just a matter of just okay, once you just read it for what it says. Don't have a don't have a preconceived idea as you go to the text. Um, and, and by the way, anything that's not in the Bible is all speculation. You guys realize that? It's all speculation if if you're gonna try to just insert things. And uh, we need to be, we need to have some, some some intellectual integrity and be honest and say, say, now this is my opinion but I think this fits in here, or whatever, right? And, which is fine. We can all have our opinions, right? I've done it from time to time. Now, this isn't Bible, but this is what I think, and I think it bridges these gaps, or, or what have you, right? So we, we insert that in there. But, um, uh, but I don't believe there is such insertion right there. I think we go right on through. So at the beginning of creation, is formless and void. In three days, God created form in the earth. The first three are about... Forming it. The last three are about filling it. So it was without form. He puts a form. It was void. He fills the void. So day one, we have light. That's verse three. God said, Let there be light. Um, day two, um, uh, separation within the firmament. We see in verse number six, it says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the water and let it divide the waters from the waters. A um, firmament is kind of an interesting uh, uh, thing. Uh, even a lot of hebrew scholars have a hard time kind of defining it like 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 really what it is uh carries the idea of atmosphere but literally the word there it means to be stretched out a stretched out place or like a plate and the word is actually used it's a similar it's a word that's used like for a blacksmith pounding uh metal into a flat sheet that's kind of interesting that's the word that god used talking about creating this firmament there was a clear division and I think we see that division come to play when we look at the flood and we see uh, uh, we see the, the 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 water from the heavens opening up we all see the water from the deep and so forth I think that I think there was a somewhat of a firmament there now this is I think okay this firmament I believe uh, held water it talks about dividing the waters which are above from the waters which are beneath and and uh, and so forth but uh, but there was a, a an atmosphere of sorts uh, however you want to look at that But it separated the waters from above from the waters that were below. And then we have day three. He separates uh, the land from the sea, and and he gives plant life. Look at uh, verse number nine. And God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit. What's the next phrase? After his kind. And whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And, so, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yield, uh, yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Why did God keep saying after his kind, after his kind, after his kind? I wonder if God knew one day there were going to be scientists, so-called, that said, you know, I think fruit can produce after another kind. Interestingly, a lot of New Age translations take out the after its kind. It seems subtle, but it says, you know, God said let it grow and it grew. After its kind is very important because there's not a lot of wiggle room there. After its kind uh, it has to be after its kind. Um, which one of these things are different? I, mean, I want a kid to answer. Which one of these things are different? A banana, a dog, a wolf, and a coyote. Yeah, but but, but, but but if we're to categorize, if we put them all together and say, one of these is really not like the others, what would you, would you throw out? The banana, okay? Uh, according to Charles Darwin, we are, they all have the common ancestor. You no, know, after it's kind. All right? Uh, the fruit, and he's going to do the same thing with animals, and, uh, and, and on and on. And so, <clears throat> the next three days, uh, God, uh, God fills the form. He forms it, then he fills it. Uh, day four, verse number 14, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven." to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. What do you think that means? For signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Anybody? The stars, yeah. The the sun and the moon, you know. Um, I don't have to go very far to figure out what day it is. I go right here. Oh, January 31st. I don't have to leave my, my bedroom, right? I could just look it up here. I could also look and say, here's the weather. Huh. Right? What, did, what, what, have, what have they done for centuries from the dawn of time? They looked at the sun. Not at the sun, that's not good to do, they, but they saw the sun. <laughs> they looked at the stars, they looked at, and what did they do? It wasn't very long at all before they started discerning seasons. They put together a calendar of sorts. And, uh, and they discern the seasons and the times and everything. That, that, that's what these are. And you know what that tells us? There's order to it and there's consistency to it. For seasons. Uh, sun, moon, and stars, uh, uh, it says as there were signs for seasons, for days, and for years. That uh, He filled the form that he had made. There, he starts filling it. Uh, day five, you see in verse number 20, he, uh, fish and fowl. He fills it with... Uh, the below and the above, the, the, in the waters and in the air. And then day six, animal life and man. He forms, uh, uh, he filled the form of dry land with vegetation that, uh, 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 from what he had made on the third day. He, he now fills it with animals, with mankind. Uh, <clears throat> so then God, of course, created man. And, uh, and what did he do with man? He put him in the garden. You might call it the garden. You might call it paradise. You might call it uh, whatever, the Garden of Eden. And he puts them in there, and God gives Adam a job, right? I want you to name the animals? I want you to keep the garden. And he's going around and he's seeing all these animals. And, and, uh, and at some point, there's a, re- a realization that, uh, that there's not, none of these are like man. They're not like Adam. And so, so God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make uh, a help meet for him and uh, someone who's fitting, who's perfect for him. And so he puts Adam to sleep. And he takes out a rib. And from that rib, he makes woman. And we have no record of God ever waking man up from that point on. But man's been sleeping ever since. Um, no, but, but, uh, but what we have here is now this, this environment here. And this is the existence that they have. This is the environment now that Adam and Eve had. So, when we look at dispensations, we're going to call this the dispensation of innocence. You can call it the dispensation of paradise, of the garden, whatever you want to call it. But we're going to call it innocence. Uh, one reason we're going to call it innocence is this. There's no sin yet. Some of the things that took place so when they're in the garden is God would walk with, with, with man in the cool of the day. Twice a day, in the morning, in the evening, God would walk with Adam I imagine that time God taught Adam. Spent time with him. Now, this is me inserting, right? Uh, but, but you think, what did they talk about? What did they do? Maybe he showed him how the stars for signs works. Maybe he showed him how to lay all that out. Maybe he told them some things that he was going to have to learn. By the way, how many things in life do we, have to, do we learn uh, from previous generations? All right, You ladies, when you were getting ready to have your first child... Did you ask some other people some questions? Yes, no? Rebook? I don't know. No, I just I thought I'd wing it. You wanted to get some some help to know what to expect, right? <laughs> and have you ever thought about the first birth? Ever thought about Eve? Was this all just gonna be brand new for her? Did maybe God give Adam a heads up saying this was gonna be like, you can tell her? I don't know. This is just I don't know. I don't know what he did. But it's kind of, uh, kind of interesting. But, but I wonder, what, what kind of things did God teach Adam you know, when, they, when they talk together? But when we look at the dispensations, we need to ask ourselves this. There, there, there are two principles when we look at dispensationalism. We have to ask ourselves, what things, what, what fundamental truths carry over and are true in every dispensation? And what are cut off for that dispensation? Because what makes a new dispensation is fundamentally new uh, information and the way that God interacts with mankind and how mankind is to interact with each other. There's some fundamentally new information. And so what carries over? What what fundamentally or by revelation is true for all time? So the first thing I want to look at is if the sun, moon, and stars contain signs for information, uh, I I believe they still do. That, that, That was something that was consistent. In fact, God actually reiterated it Uh, after the flood and he said "Uh, all these things are going to be for seasons the seasons are going to continue and uh, what's kind of interesting turn over to uh, psalm 19 now when when the bible says these things were for signs this sign the purpose of signs is to communicate something Psalm 19, look at verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Get this now day unto day uttereth speech. It's an interesting phrase. And night unto night showeth knowledge. And the word there showeth, again, it's the idea of expressing something. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Whose voice? heavens the stars there's no place where those stars didn't touch and where they did not hear the voice or get the message so to speak their line has gone out through all the earth now you might think of the line oh yeah sure the, the ray of light that's coming through well the line here is more like uh like if you're in a play and you say hey tell me my line what's my line what am i supposed to speak What's the, the next phrase? So we see this in verse one, declare, they're declaring something. Verse two, they're uttering speech, they're showing knowledge. Verse three, there's speech, there's language. Verse four, their lines go out throughout all the earth. Their are words to the end of the world in them that have set a, a tabernacle for the sun, which is the bridegroom coming out of the chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and, the, and his uh, uh, circuit. To the end, uh, to the ends of it, the circuit. You know, the heavens wrote; uh, they're on a circuit, right? They come around. We just had that the star of Bethlehem, right? They, they, that's what they called it. The Beth- how, how many times does that come around? You guys remember? I don't remember what it was. It was some, huh? I want to say it was eight hundred years. That's what I was, I was thinking. It's like eight hundred years. It was like years. So kind of a very rare thing, right? And uh, But you know what? Even that, as rare as that is, is on a circuit. Right? Uh, why do we get eclipses from time to time? There's a circuit, and at some point it just passes just right. All right? How do we know what year it is? <laughs> There's a circuit we're on. Okay? And sometimes it seems to go faster than other times, but <laughs> it's on a circuit. Um, and so what's going on to the ends of it? And uh, there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And so... Uh, so these are signs. In, uh, in Luke 21, 25, Jesus is talking about the end, and, uh, and he talks about the signs that the sky, the heavens, are sharing to, to prepare, if you would, as we get to the end. So, so we know, according to Jesus, referencing all the way back to Genesis, the signs are still going on as Jesus talks about the end times. There are still going to be signs. Kind of interesting. In fact, in Romans uh, 1, verse number 20, it talks about how nature itself shows God's eternal power in Godhead so that they were without excuse. You know what's interesting? In the stars, in the sky, is written the gospel story. We'll go into it sometime, but uh, uh, biblical astronomy is quite, uh, quite interesting. The, the, the zodiac, for example, by the way, signs of the 12 tribes of Israel, you know what they have? They have the gospel message. It talks about the virgin birth. It talks about the lamb. It talks about the sacrifice. It talks about the coming king. It talks about all the aspects of God's gospel plan. I almost wonder if uh, if God was kind of telling Adam and showing him. See that that one right there. See there are there are stars that actually have names that, that lay some of this stuff out. It's kind of it's just kind of, it's interesting <laughs> uh, nonetheless. But what's interesting is this that that, that uh, in Romans uh, one twenty. It tells us that they're without excuse. In Romans 10, you guys familiar with Romans 10, what is, what's Romans 10, 13, somebody? Yeah, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then it goes on. How shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? <clears throat> how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And then it goes on in verse number 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, get this now, their sound went into the earth, and their words into the ends of the world. What was Paul quoting there? We just read it. Psalm 19. In the context of them believing... And hearing the gospel message, he said, but they have all heard. Well, what about the heathen in Africa who never heard? They went out to the whole earth. They've all seen the stars. They've all seen the layout. Isn't that kind of interesting? As, 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 as you know, and this goes into, they're without excuse. Um, <clears throat> all I'm saying is these things were for signs. Uh, here's another, another fundamental revelation man's dominion over the created order and the works uh and the work that goes with dominion so he was given dominion over the man uh, over the earth over the animals over the plants and what was his job uh in the garden beyond naming the animals was that Be a keeper so even back then he's uh, he had a job this is something fundamental given to us isn't it that doesn't change now later on that job a part of the curse became by the sweat of his brow. And there were now thorns, and there are thistles, and we say, thanks a lot, Adam. See, Adam probably worked, you know, 20 hours a week. <laughs> probably had it made. Now we've we got to keep up with the Joneses because of Adam. No, um, but, uh, but he had dominion over that, and, and work goes into that. Now, uh, the material, you know, when we look at this, we say man has dominion. The materialist disagrees. We don't have dominion over something. We're all just material. Right, Uh, that that animal has much of uh, much of uh, 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 quality or much of value as any man does, but uh, uh, but but we we start with God, right? And we see one of the other things is that God is a man is made in God's image. Um, Humans were made male and female. This is a fundamental thing that is not changing, and I don't care what laws are passed. God made them male and female. Jesus reiterates that he said, from the beginning, they asked him about divorce. Is it lawful to put away your wife for any cause? And, uh, and, and, and he says, it was not so. From the beginning, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, all the way back there, 4,000 years before he had said that, God got it right. There were two genders. And there was no transferring over. And there was no spectrum in between. It was male and female. And those male and female are to be joined together. All right? And so he lays that out. So these are some fundamental things that were given. Marriage of a man and a woman uh, is given as priority and foundational element of society. See, it wasn't father and mother, son and daughter. It was the two shall be one. And, and by the way, that's still the foundation for a healthy society. We get ourselves in so much trouble when children become number one. By the way, children, we love you. But you're not number one. And it's for your sakes. Children need to know that that marriage is most important. That that marriage is the, 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 the central thing. How many, how many people are destroying their children, their marriages, because those kids take priority. And those kids are first. And so these are some of the fundamental things. And then we ask the question, what changed since this dispensation? What has changed? What doesn't carry over? Here, are the first and foremost uh, from this time, which we'll look more into next week, but death and dying has entered into the world since this dispensation. Was there any death in the garden? Was there any dying? No. Uh, man was made to live forever. And, uh, and they had the tree of life in there that they could eat from. In fact, you remember why God put uh, uh, an angel to guard the garden after they were kicked out? You guys remember why? Keep them from the tree of life, lest they should live forever. Where's the tree of life now? Anybody know? Revelation talks about it in heaven, yeah. Absolutely. God transplanted it. Um, <clears throat> so let's see here. Uh, so death, Romans 5.12. Uh, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so the death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and another issue sin must be overcome if you if you can figure out a way to overcome death or either you'll figure out a way to overcome death or it will overcome you everyone's going to die right and you have to figure out a way to overcome sin or sin is going to overcome you this is a new something new that, that that we have to deal with that they didn't have to deal with so john 12 25 I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, and there's a good start. When we start to unpack the gospel message, we say, uh, the first Adam separated us, the second Adam brought us back and made us right. Um, Access to God was broken and now needs restoration. Such restoration. I love it. You see God's grace, too, throughout all the dispensations. It's, it's wonderful. When we talk about the dispensation of grace, which we will in a few weeks, it's different than saying there was no grace in the dispensations. All right, I want to make sure that's clear. But it's amazing because God starts looking for Adam and Eve. Something's changed. Fear. Never had fear before. Hiding. Never had hiding before. Nakedness. Never noticed nakedness before. Where are you, Adam? right? And he starts dealing with them, and, and, uh, and, and what does he say? He says, you know, he, he says, okay, now here's the deal, because the sweat of your brow, or by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to work. He tells the woman, you're going to have pain and childbearing and in labor, and ladies, you, you know, I, Adam probably is going to be in solitary confinement in heaven, I wonder, you know? <laughs> the ladies are going to be coming for him. Um, <laughs> it's your fault. But uh, uh, no, um, he gives the, the curse to the woman, right? And your desire be for the man, and, and then he goes to the, 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 the serpent. But then in all this, God's, what's he doing? He's cursing. He's cursing mankind. He's cursing the ground. Cursed be the ground for thy sake. But in all that, he says, but listen, there's going to be a promised seed. The seed of the woman is going to conquer. And he starts giving that layout of the gospel as he says, he says, all these are going to be made right again. Here's the plan. He starts to unfold. He gives a glimpse there. Now, one of these things, access is broken to God. Restoration has been made. So what do we do we try to recreate reconnect to god because we know on a fundamental level that there's a disconnect right all, all around the world we have these religions and we have these rituals we have these things we come up with why because there's a disconnect in our hearts that we're trying to make right this is something new this is something that was not in that dispensation um, a bountiful earth with a harmonious existence of the animal world that's what was going on there it was bountiful, there was plenteous, and there was a harmony in the animal world. The climate did not immediately change, but the, the, the cursed ground did change. Uh, I believe there is still a harmonious existence after the fall, because it wasn't until after the flood when God tells Noah, fear and dread of you is going to be in the animals. Uh, I believe that's one of the new things that takes place after the flood. Uh, but again, all, all we can go off of is revelation, right, what God has shown us. But, uh, but the very first beginning part of that curse was he cursed the ground. Um, <clears throat> next, uh, conflicts, or as, as we look at this, we talk about what carries over and is, is true for all time, what stays in that dispensation, and then what conflicts are revealed in the dispensation with, with today's society. Uh, in other words, because of these things, these, uh, what, what conflicts are created? First of all, human beings are individually and fundamentally superior to all creator order. How, many, how much of God's creation was made in his image? One aspect, one thing, right? So, is it wrong to kill an animal? We, we, we're so brainwashed, we're like nervous to say it. Yeah, yeah, and we're so nervous to say it because we're so brainwashed in our society today. <gasps> is it wrong to kill a human? Why? What's the difference? Hey, I can put down my dog. He was dying, right? What's the difference if, if Blake's like, I broke my leg and I can't take the pain anymore. Put me out of my misery. Right? All right. This is what I do with my horse, right? There's the image of God. Folks, it doesn't take rocket science. It's not rocket surgery. To see there's something different between the animal kingdom and mankind. You see, uh, any, any fourth grader can tell you that. And we got all these brilliant guys, with all these letters next to their name. We're all just animals. Um, I'm sorry, we're not. Now, with that, with having dominion, there is a stewardship aspect. Bible talks about regarding the life of your beast and so forth. We shouldn't just go around just wastefully just killing animals. We can, we can discuss that, but is it morally, is different morally just wasting the life of an animal or in wasting the life of a human? Right? right. And so these create conflicts in society. Oh, man's not better than human, or, or, or uh, uh, human's not better than the animals, you know, and so what are we doing? Let's save the whales. In fact, if you kill a bald eagle's egg because of the potential of life of this endangered species, it's like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, fine. But the government, it will actually pay for you to murder your own child. You see the conflict? There's a conflict with this, because things of this dispensation. How about this one? Gender and marriage, as defined by God and creation. We don't have to go deep into that. We know what we're talking about. Uh, Mankind or society cannot goodness himself back to God. That's a problem. Folks, people don't like to hear that. Religion doesn't like to hear that. Did you know you can't be religious enough to get back to God? You can't do enough, you can't goodness enough to get back to God, to make that right? Well, we just need to try a little bit harder. Folks, they tried that one pretty quick, didn't they? Let's build us a tower. And God's like, no, you got it all wrong. Um, those are some conflicts. Conflicts, If you remove this dispensation, in other words, we take it out of scripture, take this dispensation out of scripture, we have to make up everything about God and man. You know what Genesis, uh, uh, or um, really, Genesis 1 and 2 gives us? The foundation for theology and anthropology. So what do we have in there? We have God and his creation, the initial revelation of himself. We have the creation of man and we have the fall of man. That's the foundation of anthropology, the study of man. The doctrine of man. I can tell you, the day and age we live in is pretty crazy. How many, uh, how many times I've, I've witnessed a folks growing up in America, and I had to go all the way back to Adam and Eve because they didn't even know who they were, and lay the foundation of the fall of man and the wickedness that is in us. You see? Um, <clears throat> i decide if I want to mention these. This is not really specifically to the dispensation, but I just did, we did want to just bring it up real quick couple of uh, issues out there uh, when we talk about Genesis 1. Uh, there are some theories. One theory of Genesis is a pre-beginning theory. So when we when answer the question, when, when did evil come in? Where did evil come from? When did, when did Satan come into the picture? So there was the pre-beginning theory. You guys ever heard this, the pre-Adamic uh, uh, um, society or whatever? I'm thinking... Where do you get that? Mine starts verse 1, and, and it starts it out. Where do you find, you know, remember what we talked about, you know, when, when we just insert things in that, well, there was a whole society, and it was wicked. God got rid of it and started it over, and that's why when he created man, he told them to repopulate the earth. The problem is, when repopulate was translated, you know what it meant in, in, uh, in 1611? To fill or to fill again. In the modern dictionary, it just says to fill again. Repopulate meant to fill initially or to fill again. So guess what? It fits. <laughs> Problem is we just don't know English. <laughs> um, there was a pre-Adamic uh, uh, theory. Uh, and, uh, and for those who hold the theory, uh, um, heavens in Genesis 1.1 refers to just the skies um, with all that. By the way, with this, would it make sense if there was a pre-society, if you would, that fell, and then God creates everything, and as he says, it's all good. You know, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. Things to consider. Uh, gap theory between Genesis and Genes- uh, 1-1 and Genesis and Genesis 1-2, uh, we, we put in a whole bunch of time in there. God created the heavens and earth, but some uh, something unwritten, un- un- reveal uh, something unrevealed excuse me happened that caused the earth to become formless and void they said it became formless and void and so god recreated and again same issue as we look we get to verse two and all of a sudden uh god's recreate all right again um there's nothing in the text that suggests this we have to go with god's revelation what he's given to us and and to insert is simply speculation and then the garden theory between Genesis 2 and 3, where evil came in, the earth was created, formless and void. Then it was formed and it was filled. And sometime in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer saw the beauty of the earth and he wanted it and, and he wanted God's place in it for himself. That's where we have Isaiah uh, 12, I believe it's 12 or 14. Uh, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? And he, and he carries this whole, uh, It kind of plays out the story. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to ascend his throne and, and, and so forth. And so somewhere in there, after God said it was all very good, and even her encounter with the serpent in chapter 3, the devil fell, all right? It wouldn't make sense for God's analysis to say, uh, to say the devil's kind of wandering around and says it's all good, all right? Except that snake. You know, he doesn't speculate that, or he doesn't, or he doesn't insert that, I should say. And so I believe the garden theory is the most uh, plausible, um, by the way, when did, when did the fall take place? How old was Adam and Eve? Interesting. By the way, what did Adam look like when he was one day old? He was a grown man. It's interesting, uh, it's interesting uh, you know, people say, well, you know, the earth couldn't possibly be 6,000 years old. Look at, look at how old it looks. Well, it's interesting, he made Adam with an apparent age. He was like a full-grown man when he was one day old. All right? Earth could have had some maturity to it as well. By the way, you don't want to grow up everything from a seed. I don't know if you know how weather and all that kind of stuff, if you just have seeds growing and nothing to stop wind and whatnot, nothing's going to happen. You know, it's going to be too much. God had to create everything with maturity. Um, anyways, just some thoughts there, but... Uh, But uh, they had their first child. Adam and Eve had their first child when he was 130, or he was 130 when he had Seth. Uh, The Bible gives us that number, and so really, I mean, they could have been in the garden for like 100 years. I think it probably happened rather quickly, because what was the what was the first command God gave to the two of them? Be fruitful and multiply. Now you could try for 100 years and not have any children. It's possible. But it's likely that if God gave them this command and they delayed, would that not be disobedience? And what's the only disobedience recorded in the garden? Eating the fruit. I think it probably happened within weeks, personally. But that's, again, me, not the Bible, okay, uh, inserting that. So this is the first dispensation where we talk about the dispensation of innocence. Would you guys agree with me that the day in which we live in is fundamentally different from the day that Adam and Eve lived in, in their relationship to God and in their relationship to mankind? Yeah, okay, good. I want to make sure we're tracking as we go through this because there'll be some objections that arise as we kind of unpack this. But we want to ask the right questions. We want to say, well, is there validity to this? Is there weight to to what we're saying as we unpack this? But I think it's going to be a great help to us as we approach the Scriptures and we say to ourselves, for example, the covenants of Israel, do they relate to us? They're covenants for Israel, you see. But, uh, but why is it important to us then? Because we're not studying us, we're studying God. Okay? And uh, that's, that's, that's why these things are important as we approach the Bible. All Scripture is profitable. Okay? So we want to we wanna make sure we're handling it properly. Um, any, any questions on the first dispensation as we talk about the garden? We We good? We're friends? All right. I, do sure, I sure appreciate you folks. And by the way, what an amazing uh, turnout tonight. We're going to have to, like, get some more tables going or prepared for next week. We're, uh, we probably should just build a new building. Would you guys want to just do that? Would you rather go that route? Uh, looking forward to that for sure. And it's uh, going to be a busy summer trying to get some of those things done, but I'm looking forward to it. Let's, uh, let's be a dismissive word of prayer.